Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide here. Just got off the plane. I'm in Colville, Washington today getting ready for the Sniper's Hide team challenge this weekend. I'm up here with uh, Carl Taylor and company. Those guys are putting on. They're the same guys that put on the Kettle Falls stuff and things like that. Mike, happy birthday, man. Today's Mike's birthday. I didn't know that. Otherwise, I would have forced myself to do a podcast yesterday before I left. I just got so dang busy packing everything and getting ready for the match. Um, I want to just talk about some of the stuff packing and coming out here and what I'm doing. I have the Tika in the Kdex, the 260 left-hand gain twist, uh, Vortex, 3 to 18 scope on it. I have the Vectronics new laser rangefinder with me. I'm shooting prime 260 ammunition. Here's a little treat for you guys. For the Sniper Side Team Challenge, Prime Ammo is offering 15% discount. You guys can use the code up to five times and it's good until June 30th. SHTC18. SHTC18, good till June 30th from Prime Ammo. Thank you to Jim over there. As I get some other discount codes and stuff, guys are going to be letting the discount codes run for like 30 days. So as I get other discount codes, I'm going to offer it up to other people, not just those who came to the match. Now the beauty of that is I got Sniper's High Team Challenge 18 discount code. I'm handing it out to you everyday sniper listeners. I'm going to put it on Sniper's Hide, as well as everybody who attended the event will get it. Well, that just opens the door up so much more. The event is what we do to get it. Now, I have some other stuff. There's stuff on the prize table. Leopold's here. There's a bunch of other, you know, there's all kinds of people coming in bringing stuff to the prize table. That's not an issue. But by doing the discount codes, I'm hoping to get more sales for the companies that are supporting the event. Because it can't just always be a case of giving it to you know, the 200 people at the match, including ROs and what have you, and then nobody else. Because then they don't get the sales that they're looking for. These guys have to have a return on investment. But anyway... I came out here, a matter of fact, Jim sent me a case of ammo, so whatever I have left over, I'm just going to put on the prize table because I did bring 40 rounds with me just to kind of play with, so I'm going to be doing some stuff with that. Got my really right, I'm going to talk about what I packed and what, what coming out here because it was, it was a bunch to get ready, so I brought the Vorn Lynx pack because I'm going to carry the Vorn pack. Last year, well, Mary Beth and I, when we shot it, we did over 10 miles of walking. Uh, I got Trig V with me this time and his family, Pete Howell from SIG, and a bunch of other guys are going to be there in our squad. But uh, the Cadex the uh, chassis, I know, and all that fits into the Vorn pack. So I got the Vorn I got the Vectronics, I got the Tika and the whole thing, that, and like I said, the factory prime ammo. So I packed my the pack, the Vorn pack, right? I packed the Vectronics, I mounted on the little bit of Molly that's there, right on the top of the pack. I put the Vectronics laser rangefinder. I have my Kestrel, I have my Garmin, I have the DRS board, and I actually took, what I did is I have one of those really, really cheap from the, you know, sports authority kind of place, 
like a, a pop football cutter. It's called cutter, C-U-T-T-E-R, armband, right? You know, the, the wrist commander. And it's small and it's kind of different in, in how it is. But what I did, and it peels open. It's a play band for football, okay? And in the play cards for this particular little like $10 cutter thing, and it's meant for high school kids and pop football, but it fits me perfect. So they're about the size of a business card. So what I actually did yesterday, kind of getting everything ready and screwing around and doing what I'm doing, I went and printed up a thousand business cards with like stages, a target one through 10, uh, density, altitude, muzzle velocity, bullet, range, wind, and spots where you could put your range, your elevation, your wind zone one, wind zone two. So these can slide into your arm commanders or be used kind of like little mini business card, rounded, matte, recycled, dope card, yada, yada. So I printed a bunch of them up. Now they won't be here for a couple days because, you know, but what I did with that cutter is I put the Velcro over the top. So now I can put the arm bar and the thing and if I want to just use the Hawk Hill, you know, the white plastic that you can write on with an erasable, but I also have it so I could put the DRS board on it. So I got a lot of overkill, a lot of different things here. Because if you think about it, I got my, um, I got the Vectronics linked to the Kestrel. I got the Garmin, which is set up with the Tika as well. And so those are redundant. I got my phone and some stuff in there. And I'm going to be carrying the Android phone, um, the Google Pixel, because I have to talk to that DRS. But where I can, I can put some basic numbers on that DRS board, even without knowing really the ranges. Or if I, if I have time, I can put those ranges in there if I know what the ranges are. Then I can just use that DRS and slop it on. So I'm going to be running, over the two days of the match, I'm going to be running several different scenarios to kind of tell you which one I thought was the best. Which one worked for me really well okay so that's kind of my goal here to do that is to say which one of these worked out the best for you oh by the way i'm also recording this on my ipad with my mobile setup so we'll see how this works so i could take it to alaska because i come home on monday and on wednesday or so i'm back in alaska and, and classes start there for the following week and you know stuff like that but I'm doing some several scenarios. I have the really right stuff with the Anvil 30 head attachment, the legs and the whole thing. So I'm going to be running the Anvil 30 and, and, and doing that. And the other thing I, I want to talk about is flying with the firearms. People always ask me about it. I fly a lot with them. You know, I'm, I'm up quite a bit back and forth. I, I posted a picture on Facebook today because sitting up in the front of the bus I could see right where the, my rifle comes in, so I get on early, I get time to go see what's going on, and that's a good thing. So, um, guys, I use TSA locks, man. I know everybody bitches and moans and complains, but it's so much easier. There are airports, and, and Spokane is one of them. Your, your rifle goes down to the... Um, to, to the TSA without you being there. You have to kind of lock it up. You have to sit there and wait to find out if TSA clears it. So you basically just hang out at the ticket counter. 
and they'll tell you, well, if they call us in 20 minutes, they'll need keys or whatever. But because I use the TSA locks, and here's the thing, man. I know everybody freaks out over TSA locks. TSA is not a person. It's a system. It's an agency. It's not a person. It doesn't fall into that rule of don't give anybody else the key. Sitting, and Denver's nice, man. Denver's really cool flying out of there. Go to United Counter, right? Then they take you over to TSA has their own room just for firearms. Well, as soon as you go there and you hand them your rifle, it goes through the the big x-ray machine. Sitting right on the table, right on the table, is the keys for them to open that stuff up because they always go in it. No matter, I I have really nothing in with the rifle. I did put my, my handgun in there. I loaded, and just to see what was go, going on, I loaded two mags with 10 rounds each and put them in. I put a box of 9 mil in my rifle case, but then otherwise the bolt was out in the whole thing. So I put my card, you go to the counter, ask them for a firearms card. It, it puts your flight stuff and some basic crap on it, and then you sign it and drop it in your case, and that's when you lock it up. Well, then they go to the TSA room, you hand them that. It runs through the x-ray machine and the tester machine because there's gunpowder involved because there's all these other things. They always, always, always open my case. And they do that with you standing there in Denver. Okay. Well, then what happens is she just takes her TSA locks and she opens them up and she closes it all up. And then when she's done, she comes over and you have to sign up that says you saw them open your case. Okay, good to go. Then it gets locked up. Then I give it to the girl, which it's the girl who carried it down for me today. She was a Special Olympics swimmer, and she's going to go on a, a meet. So I sit there, talk to him. But right in front of that TSA room, right there, it says, like, number two, use TSA locks. And I've had them actually thank me for using TSA locks. I have been called back Prior. When I didn't, when I used to go back and forth from rifles only, I flew from Denver to Corpus Christi every month. Brought rifles, brought suppressors, brought all kinds of stuff. So I f- made this trip every single month. I mean, like I got mega miles, man. Like I said, I sat in the front of the bus because I just got so many miles. But I've gone to airports where you're not always there with TSA, and they always find a reason to look as well. What'll happen is it may go past TSA, but there's probably some additional checks down in the baggage handling stuff with dogs or whatever sensors they have. We set off gunpowder sensors all the time because our rifles are dirty. We're, t- we're touching all that stuff and it's all over our cases, especially as used as these are. If you look at the picture of mine, you can see all the stickers on it. The case is beat up and I use, I use a short carbine case because I fold the rifle, okay? So I'm using um, the short case, not the 52s. I'm using like the 36s. And I fold the rifle, put it in, but it goes everywhere with me. Beat, beat the hell and back. There are times it flags. And they will go in and they mark it up when they go in. They put the little hologram sticker. They throw the thing on that says, we were in your bag. They can go in your bag. If you make it hard for them, they will and have and do cut your locks. They will cut your locks up. They'll put a zip tie or something through it if, if you get that. Because if they call you and you don't listen or you can't hear them, and you may already be through security. This happened to me with Southwest Airline. 
I had already gone through security. I put my rifle, dropped it off. I did the whole thing that I was supposed to be doing. So I went through the entire process and I had regular locks on. Well, I got to my gate and I'm sitting down and I'm probably not even there five minutes. And I heard my name. I'm like, what the heck is that? So I call the white courtesy phone and they had me go all the way back down to the ticket counter. I had to go back through security, back through everything because I had to unlock my case. Well, if you had TSA locks, they'll just go in. They'll put your stuff down. They'll, they'll mark it and say they were in there. But man, I, I, I will say this. People are paranoid and I get it. I've had my case not show up for 12 hours. I've, I've flown and my stuff not arrive. You know what I mean? Connections. I try to get nonstop flights now. And because of United and Denver, I usually can get nonstop flights. Even Alaska, I do it on nonstop flight. You know, but in, in connections is where you have the problem. Okay, where things go wrong. They don't open the case and take stuff out. What they do is they take the case. And, and like when guys were getting their rifles stolen and things were happening... What they found is they caught that guy in like Pittsburgh or Philadelphia and something. They were taking the entire case and tossing it over a fence. I mean, because here's the deal. They can't walk through with your stuff. They have to try to hide it and do something else. It's easier to do it with the case, come back later, than to try to pull something out of the case because there is checks and balances. You know what I mean? There's things that they look at. So when I see the guys roll up with my stuff and... They don't even look at it, man. They're just throwing it on the ramp. They're paying zero attention to my stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't get paranoid that way with it. So since this has happened to me more than once, where I've been called back from my gate to unlock the cases, I just switched to TSA locks. Now I use four and I put them on. They all got a combo and the whole thing. And they got they got bigger heavy-duty ones. They have all different kinds. You can find... Honestly, I don't do it. And what I do too is I toss like a handful of these little ones in my bag. So when I show up to a location, every now and then like one will break, one won't be on. There'll always be something weird with one. And not every time, I should say. But every fifth trip, something, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? something will happen one will break or not be on because i don't always use the heavy duty versions i use the normal ones too well then i take one out of my bag and i just replace it you know what i mean it's not that big a deal to it they've never said a word to me they've thanked me and they kind of look at the rest of us when we're like you got to have triple master heavy duty locks and honestly here's the deal guys go on youtube and look up lock picking with these master combo everything lock. All they need is a soda can and they open it as if they had a key. They're, if they want to steal your shit, they're going to steal your shit. There is nothing you're going to do about it. I don't care what lock you put on it. If somebody has it in their mind, they're going to take it. They're going to take it. So I just don't get too crazy with it. You know what I mean? But... So I got my Vorn pack, I got a, I got one pillow, and then I got a tab air-filled rear bag so everything's lighter. 
Um, you know what I mean? So it's that it is all hooked up. And then I have, you know, it, it, I have my, my, uh, you know, my Gucci wear, whatever I got. Mostly Arteryx leaf stuff. I have, um, I have the soft shell pants and everything. I'm in Washington. It might rain. Triple up design, Arteryx, my two go-to outfits that I wear. I love triple up, man. I'm addicted to triple up design. The worst thing they could have done is when they showed up at Boulder. I had everybody buying me stuff for Christmas and my birthday from Triple Up, but I have far too much Triple Up gear. Prior to that, I bought far too much Arteryx Leaf, so I, I'm, I'm like doubled up on that. But it's worth it because when I'm up in Alaska, it always rains. Stuff keeps me toasty. I got the liners and the rain gear and all that other thing, but these... The tech wear really, really helps when I'm traveling. It's lighter in the suitcase. It's easier to pack and fold up. doesn't get as crazy wrinkled and you don't look like a friggin' you just came out of your sea bag or something crazy like that. So I really like the tech fabric gear and the stuff that I'm wearing. Then I've been, I've been defaulting to some of this merino, a lot, actually a lot of merino wool shirts, Henleys and t-shirts and First Light, um, you know, triple all, stuff like that. So a lot of tech fabric wear, uh, you know, skull cap and stuff in case I need it. Because first thing in the morning, you know, you show up at 7 o'clock on the line. You don't know what the weather's going to be like. Probably pretty cold. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. But, um, I mean, I really I really do uh, like the triple alt and the tech wear stuff. Um, like I said, I'm totally addicted to it. Somebody told me there's all like Facebook groups and things uh, from triple alt. That are, that are just nuts. So um, I, I feel right at home with those kind of guys. But then, you know, I pack my computer stuff, my iPads, watch the movies on the plane, do the whole thing that way. And I'm using from REI, they have a big Osprey roller kind of pack wheel duffel. It's an Osprey shuffle. I like Osprey's packs. We get them at REI in Colorado a lot, um, you know, but the big, they have a big one, a shuffle it's called. Fits my really right stuff, fits that Vorn pack in there, fits all my other things, uh, you know, really well. Brought some camera equipment, I'm going to be filming. So I, I, I was saying to Kim this morning, I'm like, man, I'm carrying way too much. I was exactly at 50 pounds on my pack, then my rifle case, then my like, you know, kitchen sink, computer bag, whatever kind of wire and widget. I brought not only this setup for my iPad, which I'm talking on right now, but I also brought my Tascam just in case this doesn't quite work out. I'm hoping it works out. This better work out. So we'll, we'll find out what it sounds like for you guys. But I'm going to get it up. I'm just waiting now. I'm going to go eat some dinner in a little bit. It's just at 5 o'clock, I think. Yeah, 5.15 or so. So it's just at 5 o'clock here. And I know uh, Phil from Vectronics is in Spokane right now. He flew over from Germany, you know, so he came over and I'm going to have a sit down with Vectronics, talk to them. I'll let you hear it from the horse's mouth about the customer service. I know everything that I posted on that Vectronics, someone's come on and said that they turned their back on the commercial market. Yeah, but they were sold. And they were bought. There's, it's a different name now. It's Safran Vectronics, you know. So it's the new. There's new people there, which is originally they said they weren't going to do the Terrapin, you know. They can't. They discontinued it. Well, then they, they decided they were going to do it because it was so popular and all that. So, you know what I mean. I got all that equipment with me, and I'm going to be trying it all out on the range in the field, doing these kind of things in in 
and putting them through their paces in a field course match setting under time with somebody else's rules, right? I don't know the course of fire. I don't. I mean, I know what he's going to do because we've been doing it for three years now. But I don't know the course of fire. I don't know where the targets are. I don't know what's going on. Now I'll talk to Carl and we'll do some setting up some stuff tomorrow to make sure we're in tune for Friday because a lot of people are coming early on Friday and doing their thing then. And I want you guys to be able to get some practice and to go through. I want you to mingle. I want you to you know interact with each other and, and use Friday to kind of get the jitters and nerves and whatever out of your system. You know, that's kind of where my head's at with all this. I want Friday to be something that you can use and take away so Saturday you're more comfortable and and you've learned something. I mean, what good, to me, the philosophy that I have is matches validate training. You know, that this scenario that's not, you're never, ever going to set yourself up to lose when you're by yourself. Okay, if you're only out there shooting by yourself, for yourself, you'll never do something to push yourself out of your comfort zone. But what happens is, you, you know, you go to a competition type format, even in training. You know, if you go to a regular training match or something to that degree, you're now following somebody else's rules. You know what I mean? You're you're not the one making the rules. You're not the one who who's trying to do A, B, you know, who's saying, I'm going to go there today and I'm going to do A, B, and C. No, you show up and now that person says, no, you're going to do D, F, G. And it's like, well, okay, well, what the heck? You know, and that's what helps you to kind of put you in a scenario that's not the same as if you're by yourself. And, and so I do highly recommend going to a match go even if it's local you know going somewhere that takes you out of your comfort zone even if you're all thumbs you're a walking mess who cares you're going to learn a ton well then the next time it'll become easier then it becomes easier then you know this is how people do man they start to learn the game you know what i mean they're 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 learning the game by going over and over and over again, trying to get it out. It's repetitions, man. It's that 3,000 positive reps. It's, you know, 9,000 to fix a problem. It's all that sports medicine things that people know about. So, you know, don't be afraid to show your ass at a match. You'll learn so much more. Don't be afraid to show up with nothing. You know, your rifle ammo, rear bag, nothing else. Because then you can see what works and what doesn't. You can learn what people are doing and what they're not. These guys all went through a process. A lot of them, because they have sort of this little core nucleus, you know, where they they interact with each other, they try this. This doesn't work. They toss it. They move on to this. And sometimes that happens faster than the public can keep up with because it's a closed system. It's a closed cell, right? So... They'll try something, they'll get it and move on. Well, then you may be three steps behind them when you hear or read about it. And you'll go there and thinking, hey, I bought the right stuff. I, I'm, I'm working it the way I should and all that. And the next thing you know, they've changed direction. They've changed gears. And now they're smoking things, you know, in a way you didn't expect. 
So it's worth going there sort of on the slim, you know, we're not so much in, in figuring out what's going on and learning this, learning the ropes before committing, before spending the money, before joining a series, before, you know, paying for the extra equipment. It's best to go there, you know, raw and then get molded than it is to try to, try to, um, anticipate what they're doing if all you're doing is looking online or looking at pictures you know you might see a video uh, uh, of something that they put on and look at the time and the dates and when that was done because things may change you know there might be a new way of of addressing that and so that's kind of where, where I come from with this what do I got what am I carrying like I said Vorn pack one one small I got the small pillow I don't have the long one the long one wasn't quite fitting in the bag with the pack in there I probably should have just carried the pack and left my bag the way it was like in hindsight I don't need all the camera equipment not all camera equipment I do need but I don't need all the computer equipment that I brought but what I did is I redid my bags for Alaska because in Alaska I will need certain amount of that because um, number one, you can't just go out and buy it. You know, I can go an hour back into Spokane and get something if I really, really needed it. Or if I forgot it, I knew I was coming through. There's Best Buys and stores and Walmarts and things. Well, up in Alaska, there is no Walmarts close. You know, I'm, there, there's a tiny little convenience store, like a Three Bear Annex and not much else. So I pack more up there. But the, the one thing I didn't bring was the big bag. The, the long one that I've talked about that was custom made for me by Trouse. Uh, Trouse made that 9 by 18 inch bag for me to go under my arm and then I stand on as well in a, in a you know, a square range PRS style event. In, in that game, I need that long big bag because everything's set up for other people. In this game, it's more natural terrain. I can solve the problem however I want. If that means, you know, hey, you can shoot off this stick I can back off the stick and shoot off my tripod so I can set it up for me a little bit better um, than if I go to like, you know, K&M where, you know, Shannon has everything taller than I am. Well, I need that bigger bag to bridge the gap. I need that bigger bag to stand on because nothing there fits me. I, I can't reach and there's, there's no apple crate for me to stand on. They may say, oh, we'll have something for you. They never do. But anyway... So I brought this, the 12-inch square bag, the rounder, light bag. I packed air-filled stuff, as I said. Tab gear, air-filled rear bag. Because you really just need a basic amount of support. You're going to be moving and too fast in multiple targets, less shots. So you're not doing a whole lot of prone, pretty prone, nice straight square, you know, training video stuff. It's, it's kind of like crooked sideways coming around. And that's where these fundamentals come into play because the more you do these alternate positions, the more you compromise some of this stuff in other ways, you, and, but still focusing on the fundamentals, you, you'll, you'll do much better. There's a lot of guys out there who only shoot prone. They've got it down or they're shooting off a bench. As soon as you take them out of their comfort zone, they're screwed. Nothing's lined up. They're not happy. They're not comfortable. None of the things work the way they want. So, you know, it, it just doesn't work out for them when you pull them out of their comfort zone. But 
with this, I try to get in and out of my comfort zone all the time. You know, I'm, I'm constantly playing the tripod stuff we talk about, doing the local matches at Pawnee. It's a mix of everything. I'm, I'm, I'm reinforcing those skills in sort of a longer, you know, they got a longer time. Pawnee's times are twice as long as here or, or three times longer than a PRS event. And so I can go slower and find out what works, what doesn't work. Okay, how about if I do this? And the key, 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 is getting in and out of position. How you get into the position to make the shot, how you get out over to the next position, that's where you waste the time. How you index on the target, what's your process for finding it? Find it with your eye, kill it with the scope. I find it, I point my rifle at it, I've got my power back down on the scope so my field of view's open, then I bring and drop my head in. I find it, maybe I zoom up on the optic, maybe I don't. Then I, I take it out, you know what I mean? I engage it. Then, you know, run the bolt, bolt back, and if I'm going to move to another target, it's the same thing. I got to move quickly, reorientate my body. Here, here's it. Unless I'm trying to figure out the wind, because I truly don't know or something up, as soon as that shot breaks, and as soon as I have that inkling, it's there heading like, you know, it's, it's on its way to the target. I'm running the bolt back and I'm moving to the next one. Unless I have a follow-up shot on that same exact target, when, there's, when, it, when it's the last shot on that target or the only shot on that target, I'm out of there. I don't hang around and admire my work. I'm gone. I can't do anything about it. I've already sent the shot. I followed through you know, a 1001, a 1002 follow through, that that point, the target's guaranteed hit or missed, and I'm moving on to the next one. Now, if I miss, I'm trying to gauge the wind. You know what I mean? Because I need to know why did I miss? What made me miss? Was it a bad position? Was I not in position? Was it the tripod shaky? Did I not do something right? Or did I miss because of wind? Did I miss because of elevation? Maybe I didn't put the angle in. Maybe I did something wrong. I don't know. But I'm there just long enough to catch it, and then I'm gone. I'm on to the next one. And find it, index the rifle at it, drop my head on the scope, locate it, maybe zoom in, maybe zoom out. You know what I mean? I don't know. Send it, and then on to the next one. So don't admire your work under time with the clock. You know what I mean? It may be a case where you do have a follow-up shot or you do have a target that's in line or something like that. But if it's one and done, send it and I'm going on to the next thing. That's 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 what, what's going on here. But I, I'm, I'm going to play with this setup. I'm looking forward to, to doing some stuff here while I'm on, on hand. I'm going to probably put a little more effort into it. Thank you guys for calling Mike. Wishing him happy birthday. Mike, happy birthday. Dan, I don't know if that thing worked out we talked about, but I hope it did, and I'd love to see pictures if it did. Dan and I had a little surprise. We were trying to line up for um, for Mike. I was on the airplane and stuff, so it was tough. They they were calling me and texting me right before I left. But um, anyway, Frank from Sniper's Hide. I'm here in Colville, Washington at the Sniper's Hide Team Challenge. Thanks to everybody who's sending some stuff in those in those discount codes. We're gonna get you some sales, guys. We're gonna get you people who who are, who are appreciative of getting, you know, fifteen percent on anything from Prime Ammo. You can use it five times each. That's huge, dude. 
in you know handgun 22 338 308 what they got it go look it up nine mil 45 all that stuff it's there but thanks to Jim and those guys. I know we'll have Leopold here on site. I know we'll have some others. There's a bunch of people that are going to be here. I don't know yet who, um, but we'll find out. But I'm going to sign off. I'm going to go uh, kind of get rallied up and go see what's going on and go grab some food. Like I said, been on the plane, been doing some other stuff. So getting settled in, getting ready to roll. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Frank, the Everyday Sniper.